our heads. Lord, open hearts to hear your word today. May the spirits of peeling and convicting and prodding and faith building and faith birthing work be active and welcome in this place and in these hearts. Be honored, be glorified in our manner of hearing and receiving your holy word today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I love this uh, Sunday. It's a Sunday of pure joy. It's it's triumphant. You can hear it in the songs that we've sung. They're you know they're joyful and triumphant, like the Advent <laughs> Advent songs. If you were here on Good Friday, the worship had a different tone, didn't it? You know it had it had uh, you know somber. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And that we had the we sang that song that has the at the end of it, this oh, you know, wailing. And today it's been replaced by hallelujahs, you know. Christ the Lord is risen today, hallelujah. The cross in the sanctuary has a different look. It's a, the black shroud replaced by symbols of life. Even, even all the, even all the uh, extra biblical traditions that you may or may not observe or may have or may not have observed with your kids growing up they they're about they're about joy there's nothing says joy to a child like a big chocolate rabbit right <laughs> it's the most joyous thing in the world brought one one year my wife robin when our kids were at home she uh trying to keep trying to make the connection between these easter these extra biblical things of easter celebration and in Christ one year she got uh, instead of the big chocolate bunnies got chocolate crosses you know you ever seen them in the store you get a chocolate cross and that seemed like a good idea until it came time to eat them you know and the kids kind of backfired or something about just chomping on the cross and nom 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 you know it's like even even the kids I wonder I wonder if this is the first one of the first signs of the kids really internalizing the faith you know, when they're trying to eat these chocolate chocolate crosses, I, this is just wrong. This is so wrong. This doesn't feel right. You know, eating a, eating this cross. Can we get bunnies next year? There's not enough joy. Not enough joy in these in this in this way of doing it. But the the whole day, family gatherings, big dinners, whatever it is, joy, joy, joy. But it, it, it seems to me that our joy as Christians on Resurrection Sunday is, is largely borrowed. And I'm for it, by the way. This is one case I advocate. Borrow all you can. Borrow all the joy you can because we, we borrow it from the future. We really do. I mean, the joy is real. The joy is real. But we borrow it from the future. Let me, let me suggest there's three ways we do that. And just to show you what I mean. When, when Jesus was crucified and he had died, was buried, the disciples, what were they like? This is good. They were in a Good Friday state. They were even the Good Friday without the insight. But they were broken. They were despondent 
They were disillusioned. They were fearful. They were just, they were really undone. When the risen Jesus appeared to some disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, it's a great, great story, great account. It says, but their eyes, the disciples' eyes, were kept from recognizing him. Jesus says to them, in effect, you know, what are you talking about so seriously, so, so somberly? What's going on? And then that disciple named Cleopas, what a, what, a, uh, what a character. He says, to the risen Jesus, he doesn't know it, but he says to the risen Jesus himself, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't realize what's been going on these past few days? You're the last one to know. And, the, and Jesus, the risen Jesus, he says, in effect, it's Luke 24, you can look it up, your version, but in effect he says, he says well, catch me up. Catch me up. What's been going on? And here's what it says. This is New American Standard. This is, this is from the text itself. And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, were, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We'd hoped he would redeem Israel. And in other words, you know, their, their hopes had been dashed. Their, their expectations of what Jesus would do, they were entirely uh, disappointed. They, and that's where they all were. You remember Peter, the only thing he could think to do is just go back to fishing. I mean, just, you know, let, let me go, let's go do over. Let me go back to where I was when this whole thing started. But when they realized that Jesus had risen from the dead, when they appeared to them, then their sorrow was turned to joy. And this is exactly how Jesus had told them it would be beforehand. John chapter 16, Jesus says, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. Again a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they're saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you were asking yourself, what I meant by saying, A little while you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And of course, that's just how it happened. John 20, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, 
Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. New American Standard there says rejoice. The disciples rejoiced. A lot of you read NIV. NIV says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And this is the this is the joy that we borrow from today. We this is the joy we borrow from from our future. There there is joy in knowing and proclaiming that our Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, whom we've come to know, whom we've come to love, has been freed from the bonds of death. Let me tell you, that there's real joy for me. I get to do this job. There's real joy on this particular Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, standing in front of you and saying, He is risen. And it looks like, when you answer back to me, it looks like there's real joy in that too. When you say, He's risen indeed. It feels uh, joyous. It feels good. But the original eyewitnesses, the original disciples, the eyewitnesses of His resurrection, they had something. They had a, a they had an impetus for their joy that we don't have, and we haven't had yet. The disciples, what's it say? The disciples were glad or rejoiced, or were overjoyed when they saw the risen Lord. You haven't seen Him, I dare say. I haven't. 1 Peter 1.8 has always been a comfort to me in longing for a, a, a deeper experience a closer fellowship with the Lord. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 has always been a comfort to me in a way because it says this, though you have not seen Him. I always like that admission that I haven't seen Him. Sometimes some Christians made me feel like he, they did see Him. You know what I'm saying? But am I missing something? Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So there's Peter, the Apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, saying to second generation Christians, yes, my experience of Jesus has been different than yours. You haven't seen Him. I saw Him a lot. I saw the resurrected Christ. I talked to him. I touched him. But you, who haven't seen him, you've loved him just like I do. And you've come to believe in him. You, you know the joy of being in a relationship with him through faith. And nevertheless, when will... So we borrow... We borrow joy from the future when what? When we will see the Lord. There is coming a time when we'll see. We're gonna, it's going to be with us just like it was with the disciples 
The disciples were glad when they saw him. The disciples rejoiced when they saw him. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. That's a joy the disciples had in a fullness that we haven't had yet, right? But it's coming. And the joy that we have, will have then, we, could, we borrow from now, because though we haven't seen Him, we love Him just the same. We believe in Him just the same. And we have a real joy from knowing that our Savior, that we pray to, that we, that we serve, that we bow our knee before, that we have a sense that we, He's pleased with us or even have a sense He's displeased with us sometimes. Or that we have to come to with our troubles or we have to come to with our confessions. This Jesus that we're in relationship with right now, we, there is a joy knowing that death did not hold Him. He's not su- he didn't suffer. The pangs of death for Him are over. But it's a joy that we're borrowing from the future because the real, it's going to be greater. It's going to be fuller when we see Him, when we see His face. But it's coming for us. It's coming for us. And we can borrow from that joy now. Let me give you another example. I think it, it will probably be even clearer. The way we borrow joy today from our future. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ground of the believer's assurance that he himself, this is very basic, you know this, he himself will be a sharer in that resurrection that we ourselves will be raised from the dead in a body like Jesus' resurrection body. We're going to be raised physically, bodily, in the same way that Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, the the resurrection, don't be confused about this. Resurrection is not the same as eternality of the soul. Resurrection is more than going to heaven when you die. That's not really resurrection. Resurrection is about life after death. Resurrection is about life after life after death. It's, it's It's resurrection. Of the body. 1 Corinthians 15, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as a man came, as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. The imagery of first fruits of the resurrection compares Jesus' resurrection to the very first part of a harvest, of a great harvest. First fruits would be like those first few tomatoes that, that get ripe. You know, you planted some tomatoes and you finally get some and that they're, it's fantastic, but it's a harbinger of a what's to come as a bumper crop, right? You love to treasure those first tomatoes that you get. And you, you, know, you just love them and they're so good. But in a few weeks, you're going to be giving them away wherever you can, right? You're going to be just 
you're just going to be getting rid of them however you can. Someone who, someone who lives in the country uh, told me one time that their church was so honest, the people in his church were so honest, nobody locked their doors, their car doors, except during squash season. <laughs> and, of course, you know, if you laugh, you get it. But, you know, just in case you... They locked it during squash season. They locked the car doors because if you didn't, there'd be a bag of squash in there when you went to go home. But the first, the first part of the harvest, you know, is small. The latter part is huge, and by calling Jesus' resurrection the first fruits of the resurrection, it makes it part of the same event that's coming. This greater bumper crop, this big harvest of resurrection yet to come. But it makes it part of the same thing, the same whole. You see? It's one harvest. Jesus' resurrection was just the first part. But the rest of it's coming. Philippians 3, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that he, that enables Him even to subject all things to to himself does it not give you some joy to know that your present lowly body subject to sickness weakness handicap death will be transformed into a body that is like Christ's resurrection body you, you probably appreciate this the older you are. Because the longer you live, the lowlier your body gets. You know, when people, I'll have to talk to people who are older than, say, 25 years old now, just for this next little bit. But when people haven't seen you for a long time, for years, you know, they haven't seen you. For a long time, sometimes they say, "You look great." And and I'm talking to you older twenty. If you're older than twenty-five, it's a lie, of course. It's a lie. Your and and the proof of that is that you know this is true. Your eighteen to twenty-five-year-old self would be appalled to know what's come of you. <laughs> would be horrified. Can you imagine if you were like when you were 18 years old and you could see a photograph of yourself right now? they think, oh my goodness. <laughs> Did you ever look in the mirror in the morning? I, maybe it's just me. But you ever look in the mirror in the morning and say, where did that guy come from? And where did the grandpa shirt come from? Where I don't remember buying anything like that. And what people really mean, what they really, really mean when they say, you look great, when it's not just a pure lie, it is a lie, what they really mean is that, you know, you don't look nearly as bad as I thought you might have after all these years. You know, a lot of people your age look way worse. And by the way, just to, just to say it, resurrection 
is not getting your 18 to 25 year old body back it's getting back the body you never had even when you were 18 because you were born into a world that is corrupted by sin that is fallen that is twisted that you're all we're all broken in in many different ways and we just not not true we were just not born into a world that's not that wasn't that wasn't corrupted with fallenness and the seeds of death right in with it. Now there's there's real joy in that. In that truth. That we that we who believe are sharers in Christ's resurrection. That what happened to him will happen to us. But it is a joy that is that is borrowed entirely from the future. Right now, in Christ, out of Christ, you're in the same soup. <laughs> the statistics on mortality are exactly the same for those who are in Christ as those who are not. We're subject to sickness, disease, weakness, handicap. So it is it is borrowed from the future for sure. But listen, borrow all the joy you can. Go ahead. Be free about it because you will have it in full. And you can borrow from it. You can borrow from that joy right now. There's joy to be had in knowing this. And, and, and just a, and a third way, just the final. We, we could do this in a lot of different ways, but I've just chosen three today. Third way, we borrow joy from our promised future. The, and it's this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the basis for our hope of being reunited with those who have gone before us in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are... Asleep. Well, I, I, didn't, I don't like how I read that. I don't want you to be uninformed brothers. You need to put a comma there. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers. That's what it really says. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's the connection to the resurrection of Christ, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him, when the Lord comes back, those who have fallen asleep. In Christ, our goodbyes are not forever. They are only for now. Because, why? Because Christ rose again from the dead. If we believe in the resurrection, we also believe that death does not part us from our loved ones in Christ forever. Just for now. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. Because our grief, when it happens, is... Uh, Diluted. Uh, it's it's 
exalted with joy that we borrow from the future. It's, it's mollified. It's lessened. There's a salve for it. We don't despair. We're sad. We do grieve, but not like those who have no hope. You borrow joy from our promised future now, and listen, it's real. You know, uh, there may be a, a, a family meal for you today. This is what you do on, resur- on a day like Resurrection Sunday. You know, look around the room, if, if that's going to be you. Look around the room and, and just thank the Lord for every bit of uh, forever that's there in that room. You know, you never know. You never know who's going to be missing from the table next year. But if they're in Christ, you will not have lost them forever. You'll enjoy that fellowship once again. You'll enjoy that presence, that love. And if Jesus, you know, because we're talking about bodily resurrection, you'll hear that voice. You'll hear that laugh. You'll hug. You'll touch. I got to hear Vance Havner preach a few times back in the 80s. Does anybody know the name Vance Havner? Yes, a few of you. He, his philosophy of preaching was to get people laughing and when their mouths were open, put something in for them to chew on. That was his, and he said, that's his philosophy. Get them laughing when their mouths open, put something in there for them to really chew on. In other words, Martin Lloyd-Jones would not approve at all if you know him. But well, well, one time he was the, Vance Adner was a speaker at uh, Dallas Seminary's uh, Daily Chapel, and Dr. Walver gave him a very nice introduction, and, and Havner, he got up and he said he was happy to be there at the seminary, but he said, but then again, he said, I'm 92 years old, I'm happy to be anywhere. People laughed, like you did, and then he said, this is his philosophy, he said, you laugh, but the youngest guy in here might be next to go. And then he reminded us of a student who had, who had died in an accident uh, just a few months before. So, you know, get them laughing, sober them up. <laughs> Listen, he could be an emotional roller coaster, but he, but he, but he was right. There, there, is, there is joy to be had in knowing that death cannot separate us from our loved ones in Christ forever but that joy is borrowed from the future. By the way, one of the, one of the promises of the resurrection, many will come from east and west and recline a table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Multi-generational fellowship. Multi-generational family fellowship. It's coming. And you can borrow from the joy now. So borrow all you can. Borrow all you can. You know, it's, it's, it, it, 
when Christians borrow joy, they're taking something that's already theirs. They're like they're drawing from a trust fund that's that's all that's already reserved in heaven for them, and they don't have they, and they can get it now. And there, but there's no penalty for early withdrawal. You know, in fact, you don't even draw down the balance. You don't even get less joy then because you took some now. So borrow all that you can because it's going to be yours in full one day. But don't steal, don't steal any of it. Don't let yourself steal any joy. And what do I mean by that? When Christians do it, when someone who has trusted Christ does it, they're taking something that's already theirs, reserved in heaven for them. But please don't, here's what I talk about stealing joy. Don't get caught up in the joy of the moment just because it's, it's triumphant, it's joyful, and everybody's happy, and, and, you know, it's fun, and it's good to see people that you love and all, and all of that. Don't get caught up in the joy that others seem to be taking that's, that are based, the joy is based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the joy of knowing that their Savior is alive and not dead, that their Savior whom they know and whom they love and who they commune with and who they pray to and talk to and serve, don't get caught up in a joy that, that, that they have because they know that they'll have a part in the resurrection themselves and they'll know that those all who are in Christ will have a part in that resurrection. They, death can't separate them from their loved ones forever. So just don't get caught up in the good vibes of all that if you've not taken Christ as your Savior, accepted Him as your King. That wouldn't be borrowing joy. That's stealing <laughs> Uh, on Good Friday, we, we looked at how the religious leaders of Israel saw the crucifixion of Jesus. They saw in the crucifixion the validation, the absolute validation, vindication of their opposition to Jesus. In their view, the crucifixion revealed once and for all that Jesus was a fraud. It was proof positive of everything they'd been saying up to then. God would, you know, the case was God would never allow his son to be treated this way. And look how he's being treated. It shows he's not God's son. God would not allow that. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, if it was really the king of kings, he'd come down from the cross. He'd deliver himself. This would never happen to the, to the promised king of Israel. This would never happen to, God, to, David, to the Davidic son. So this is, the crucifixion showed that he was not who he said he was. And then in this chilling and and an unintentional quotation from the 22nd Psalm, that powerful messianic prophecy in Psalm 22. They unwittingly put themselves right in the psalm. They quoted it practically verbatim. And they looked at Jesus on the cross and said, He trusts in God. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. Quoting the 22nd Psalm. They, put, you know, they really put themselves right there at the scene. And for them, the death of Christ vindicated everything they said about Jesus, their opposition to Jesus, everything they had even done to Jesus. Because God did not spare him from death. He didn't do it. And so they, he died on the cross. They said, end of, you know, there it is. End of story. But of course, it wasn't the end of the story. <laughs> The resurrection of Jesus turned it all upside down 
And what was vindicated? What was validated? Not their opposition, but Jesus was validated. Jesus was vindicated. Everything he said about himself, everything he taught, everything he did. And it was exposed that the religious leaders had been opposing God the whole time. The resurrection showed that they had been proved that they have been opposing, they've been opposing Jesus, they've been opposing God the whole time. When Peter preached at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, he made this very point. Now I'll just pull a couple of verses out of that phrase as we close. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then dropping down a few verses, really the punchline of the sermon. Let all, Acts 2.36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And do you remember how they responded? They did not, let's just say it wasn't this. What a joyous, triumphant message. Jesus is risen from the dead. That's a, I don't believe it actually happened, but I can share in the joy of it. It's like, it's, it's like a symbolic of a renewal of some kind. It's a, it's a, uh, it's like springtime, you know. It's like the winter's over, and it's time for, you know. It's it's just kind of optimistic. It's hopeful. It's kind of the renewal of things. I can get into that, you know. Especially if you had some chocolate bunnies and some colored eggs or something, and have some family meals and something. I can I can get in on that. You know, you don't have to be a true believer to get in on the joy. That's not what they said. <laughs> It said, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and Peter said, Peter said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Which includes the idea, we, he's risen from the dead? We are in so much trouble. <laughs> Peter, please tell us we haven't burned every possible bridge back to God. And they saw the resurrection in the context of their previous unbelief, their previous opposition. It, you can't separate it. And there wasn't any joy in them for it, <laughs> of course. Well, Peter showed them the pearly gate was still open. He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But, but Peter says, listen, there's no joy to be you, for you to be had in this legitimately until you repent, until you change, until you turn your unbelief into belief, until you turn your opposition into loyalty, into devotion. And then there's joy, but not before that. Well, someone could say, "Well, well, I didn't, I didn't kill them like they did." But listen, 
if your basic position about Jesus is the same, that he's not God's unique son, but a man like any other, Maybe he's a great man. He's not all what Christians say he is or the Bible says, but he's a great man, a good teacher. Or maybe even think he's a legendary, uh, non-historical character. He's just a legend, Pecos Bill. Is it, or, you know, Paul Bunyan, William Tell. Or, or you think, no, his, his death, no. I can't really see how his death had anything to do with my sin. I probably don't even agree that I have sins that render me morally culpable before a God. I think I'm probably a good person. I don't need a, a, a savior. Or I or I don't I don't really believe anybody could have a personal relationship with him and know him or love him like he, uh, no, no, we can't we can know about George Washington. Uh, we can't know George Washington. We can know about, you know, the historical figures, but we can't we can know about Jesus but not really know him personally or or you think well I hope there's a heaven but I don't see how getting there would be a matter of would hinge on whether you a person believes in Jesus Christ or not then the if that's if you know if that's the kind of this set of your beliefs about Jesus then the, resur- the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a repudiation of all these things you've been thinking about Jesus and who He is and who He is to you. It's a repudiation of it. Same as for the enemies of, of Jesus. It's, a, it, it's, God's, it, it's God's stamp of approval on Christ, but it's God's, it, it's God's comment. It's God's sentence on all those things that people believe about Jesus that are not what Jesus said of himself. So here would be the message. So don't steal joy. Don't steal joy. Don't take it Ill- illegitimately. Get it legitimately. Here would be the message to, to someone who does not believe, receive Christ as Savior, Lord, God, King of Kings. God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you minimize, devalue, ignore. Don't take joy yet. Repent. Make a dramatic turn in your thinking. Believe. Receive the salvation he offers. And then begin drawing on that eternal joy heavily today. Lord, deepen faith and joy today in every believing heart here and let faith come alive in any who remain outside of Christ and are without any hope beyond the narrow confines of this world, this life, this fallen and fleeting life. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.